I'm Paul Weegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host for today. In the studio with me is a collection of musicians from the Chesapeake Silver Cornet Brass Band, its music director, Dr. Russell Murray, also the conductor and chair of the music department at University of Delaware, the president of the brass band, Glenn Davis, and also a front row cornet player, and Rich Fisher, the founder of the Chesapeake Silver Cornet Brass Band, and a second row cornet player. Is that correct? That's correct. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to have you here in the studio. Uh, the, the, uh, brass, the Chesapeake Brass Band is uh, uh, entering a, a, a historic year here, your 20th anniversary, and there's so much I'd like to get us uh, to, to hear about in the, in the upcoming minutes about the band. So why don't we start first. Rich, I'm, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about the, the origins of the, uh, the Chesapeake Brass Band as its founder. Sure. The, uh, the brass band is somewhat unique. When we think of brass bands in the United States, we sometimes think of military bands or maybe uh, street bands in New Orleans. Uh, but we're really a British-style brass band, and that has several implications, which we can talk about. Um, we're an outgrowth of a brass band that started in New Jersey about 20 years ago. And a friend of mine invited me up there to see what that was like. I played with them for a while and then decided Delaware needed its own brass band. So we're in our 20th year of existence here in Delaware and under, currently under the direction and the musical leadership of Dr. Murray. Now, where does, uh, where does your brass band fit in the, the larger history of the brass band movement? How, how far back does the brass band movement go, and, and how extensive is it? Uh, the, the history goes back to the early 19th century. It uh, really starts to come around when, uh, with the invention of the modern valves for brass instruments. Uh, and that gave them a lot of fluidity, and they could play a number of different kinds of pieces. And it was also during this period that you sort of have choirs of instruments where you have the same kind of instrument that goes through all of the voices. And that was a big part of it as well. So it started out as something of an amateur movement and, and uh, later became connected to industry. Just about every industry in England would have a brass band. Uh, part of the idea is that it provides a, a, a common sense among the workers, uh, keeps them busy when they should be busy. Uh, so it served as a good social purpose. In fact, uh, DuPont used to have an orchestra. It, was, mm -hmm. it belonged to the company and it was made up of members in the company. Mm -hmm. And I believe that orchestra evolved into the Delaware Symphony at some point, did it not? I believe it did. Yeah, yeah it originally started as an avocational, uh, yeah, right. symphonic piece. Uh, Glenn, your involvement with, with the brass band, when, when did you get involved and how did you get involved? I've been uh, with the band for about five years, and it was really by invitation uh, from Rich and our past president that I joined. Um, and I played various roles in the uh, cornet section since then, and uh, just this past year became uh, president of the organization. Mm -hmm. So this is my first year in that in that role, and it's uh, not without its challenges, I must say. <laughs> now, what? How is a brass band different from, say, a symphonic band or an orchestra? Well, there's several factors that would make the brass band different. Instrumentation is one. Uh, for example, we all play cornets, or cornets as the British would call them, uh, instead of trumpets. 
We play what are called tenor and alto horns instead of French horns that you would hear in the in the Delaware Symphony. Uh, we are all brass, so there is no woodwinds, although we do have a percussion section. We want to give the percussionist uh, uh, credit here. So that's one difference. In the history of brass bands and the movement in England, we are also all volunteers, even the music director and conductor. So that is another thing that makes this band somewhat unique um, from a lot of the different musical groups you would encounter in, in Delaware. Our players come from a four-state area. We're headquartered in Delaware, in Hocassin, Delaware, but we have players that come from Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, some driving 150 miles round trip to get to rehearsal. So it's, a, it's an immense time commitment. Uh, you also might want to comment, Dr. Murray, on the music. It's, it's somewhat different also. Yeah, the music is uh, it's a mix of pieces that are written originally for the brass band as well as transcriptions of uh, especially 19th century operatic music. It's always been very, very popular. The other part of it that's important in England and to a certain extent here is the idea of contesting, of, of going to contest. And every year in England they have a series of, of gradated contests that lead to a national contest in the end. And in these contests, um, bands are given a test piece, and that piece is written specifically to challenge everybody in the band. Nobody gets to hide out. Uh, and then they play a choice piece of their own uh, that they hope shows off maybe the parts that didn't show off so well in the, uh, in the test piece. Mm -hmm. So there's one contest in the United States, the National Association, or the North American Brass Band Association. They have contests every year, and, and each contest is divided into different groups. There's championship group, first division, second division, et cetera. And each has a, a, as you go up to championship, it gets harder and harder. And I understand you have fared fairly well in these competitions. Uh, yes and no is the answer to that question. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we have our good years. <laughs> yeah, we have our good years. We have. We have uh, won our division a couple of years ago, right. and then we moved up to a more difficult division, mm -hmm. and uh, we got challenged and didn't place quite as well. But that's the purpose of the contesting really is to uh, encourage you to play better and better and it it's competitive and fun uh, between the bands but there's also a great uh, deal of comradeship uh, at the contest now you really have to like brass band music to go and sit for eight hours listening to a lot of brass bands but uh, but that's uh, a lot of fun in in england there are many more competitions uh, there may be as many as a thousand brass bands in in England. The United States are just a couple hundred, but they do local, they do regional, and then the big contest there is the British Open. Um, if we talk about British Open in this country, we usually mean bring your golf clubs. Uh, British Open in in England means bring your brass instrument, and the top bands in England com compete there for the winners. Now, uh, Rich, you mentioned a few minutes ago about everyone being volunteer. Could you speak to the range of backgrounds of the musicians in the band? You want to start? Well, the backgrounds are, are quite diverse. Um, we've had uh, doctors and lawyers and engineers as well as uh, professional musicians as part of the organization. So it's, uh, it, it spans a broad uh, spectrum of, of individual talent and background. Now, uh, Russell, you mentioned uh, the uh, the range of music uh, that right. you play. Are there certain composers that are kind of identified with the brass band music? I mean, 
I hear band, and I think John Philip Sousa, you right. know, and some of those classic names. Well, we do play, we do play Sousa, uh-huh. um, and like I said, 19th century opera is a Verdi especially works extraordinarily well for brass band. Um, there are some modern composers. Edward Gregson is an incredible composer and has created some wonderful works for band. Um, mostly composers you wouldn't have heard of. It tends to be sort of a, uh, except for maybe composers like Gustav Holst. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly it, it's it's pretty insular in that sense. Okay. But are are most of them composers that write uh, for uh, beyond just the brass band? Most of them do write okay. in other other but, styles. But they have brass band in mind when they right. compose original pieces exactly. or when they're adapting other exactly. operatic works. Exactly. And usually they've come up through the brass band movement in mm-hmm. one way or another, so they they know the ensemble intimately and they know how to write for it. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking off air about how all of the musicians read in, in treble clef except for the tuba players. And could you speak to uh, the, the purpose behind that? Because that, that's interesting to me, having played in symphonic orchestras in the past. Right. That is a challenge. It's hard finding a trombone player who reads treble clef. Um, the, the rationale behind it is that once you learn the fingerings on one horn, um, if it's treble clef, you can switch from cornet to tuba and still know what the notes are and know how to play them. You have to get used to the fact that it's a bigger horn, but you, you at least get the fingerings out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, so your musicians can move from one instrument to another, if need be. And in fact, they do. I started, when I started playing with the band, I played cornet for a number of years, uh, and then I switched to alto horn. Do you have a set number of musicians within the, the band? When we go to contest, yes, we're, we're limited to 28 uh, brass players and okay. however many percussions we bring. Okay, so it's, it's a matter of just keeping the sections balanced. Right. When, right, and when we're not playing contests, we have a little more flexibility. Right, okay. Uh, could you speak to the, the range of performances, the range of venues, uh, how you, you sort of construct a program? Well, we have played just about every size from 200 people to 20,000. Twenty thousand was amplified on the boardwalk of Rehoboth, so maybe that be stretching that number a little bit. Um, because we're interested in sharing our music, we don't limit ourselves. Um, I would say typical audience is more in the three hundred to four hundred. Uh, sometimes done in a church, might be a small auditorium. Uh, of course, in the summer we do a lot out in the parks in the in the big park programs, which we really enjoy. So it it varies uh, quite a bit in in that terms. Geographically, we tend to stay within the mid-Atlantic area. Uh, most of our performance is in Delaware, but we do some in Pennsylvania and, and some other places. Uh, we have been uh, very proud that we've been invited three times to perform at the National Convention of the Association of Concert Bands, and uh, those have been uh, very well received uh, by other people. Uh, our players, we have players from all three counties, um, so that's that's also nice too. We get spread around Delaware quite a bit. Some of those players really make a commitment. It's a long drive every Monday night up from Rehoboth Beach and back to come to rehearsal, but uh, yeah, yeah. but they're there, you know. Well, I, I want to take a look now at at your twenty years of history. But first, remind our listeners that you're tuned into News Radio fourteen fifty WILM and fourteen ten WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. Our guests today are from the Chesapeake Silver Cornet Brass Band. Uh, their conductor and music director, Dr. Russell Murray, president of the organization, Glenn Davis, and founder of the organization, Rich Fisher. 
Um, you're entering your 20th anniversary. Um, talk a little bit about sort of the the evolution of the organization and how how it has you know grown, uh, been reshaping over time. Well, I think it has evolved uh, interestingly from uh, almost all. Um, Delawareans, starting uh, there, the basis of Delawareans, uh, almost all adults. Uh, we were able to, in recent years, add some very talented high school students from Cab Calloway. Uh, that has stretched into now adding some very talented uh, students from the University of Delaware, which has really en enriched the band. Age-wise, I think we've had members from 19 years old um, into their 80s. Uh, who were able to make significant uh, contributions. Many people would know Dr. Marvin Anderson, who is a pretty well-known trumpet player in the area, and uh, uh, he sort of topped, uh, topped the range there for us for a while. Mm -hmm. So it has involved in that kind of membership, involved in membership that now involves all three counties of Delaware, as well as, some, as uh, members from Pennsylvania and New Jersey and, and Maryland. Mm -hmm. I would say the intensity of what we have done um, has grown dramatically. The music we started the first couple of years, uh, I don't know how to describe that, but but would be very amateurish in the sense of where we are now and the kind of music we play. It, it's very challenging music for the brass players. And, and one of the things, frankly, that attracts the brass players to come and play is to have that challenge. Are many of you musicians involved in other musical ensembles? or are, I mean, I would assume participation in your group is pretty time time-consuming people make time uh, a lot of the people play in various community bands in the area or, or closer to their home mm -hmm. and the students are extraordinarily busy they mm -hmm. they typically play in two or three ensembles at the university but they all manage to carve out that time on Monday night mm -hmm. yeah I mean it really does sound like a unique experience and a, a great opportunity so uh, any special plans or activities for the 20th anniversary uh, yes, to just survive till the 20th anniversary. Between, <laughs> between now and then, we, we are in a, um, enhanced rehearsal mode as we get ready for the North American competition. So in addition to rehearsals on Monday nights, we will add rehearsals on Saturdays. Uh, as we get right before the competition, we'll probably add at least one more rehearsal maybe on Wednesday night. So it gets very intense um, during that period. And then uh, we also have one very special activity occurring on Valentine's Day. On February 14th, the Cory Band, C-O-R-Y, is coming to the United States for its first tour from England in 40 years. And Cory is, um, by competition, the number one brass band in the world and has been for the last eight consecutive years. So we're talking the best of the best. And they're going to come, and they're going to play at the University of Delaware on February 14th as part of the university's Master Players Concert Series. So we're very excited to have them come, and uh, their conductor has agreed to do a special workshop with us. Uh, so we are really going to be busy between now and the 20th, uh, 20th anniversary. And, we, of course, we hope to get all the players back who were originally with us, who we can find and identify. So maybe we'll have 100 brass players on a stage i don't know that'd be great <laughs> yeah that's great so kind of a, a reunion opportunity absolutely oh yeah. that's great um now i've i've had the fortune of, of attending some of your programs and one of the things i, I love about what you do is uh, in addition to the quality of music is is the narration that you provide uh introducing pieces uh, it really is very informative could you speak to 
the origins of that and and what you seek to you know achieve through that? Well, I think it's been part of the the goals we've had, not only to play great music, but to use the opportunity to educate the public about composers, about the style of music. Uh, it's also a way to engage the audience uh, in what we're doing, and it's been very well received. We've done it just about since the beginning uh, to add that dimension to it. Um, I think we, we like to inspire, we like to play good music, we like to educate, and we like to entertain. Those are sort of our, our goals across the board, and we work very hard at doing all of this. Uh, what considerations, and Russell, I don't know if you, do you select the music for your programs? And if so, how, what, what factors go into determining what a program will look like? In general, I do pick the programming. Um, I like to provide a lot of variety. Um, so I like to find, for example, a nice, short, um, fanfare-ish kind of piece that captures the audience's attention and then work into some more extended pieces. We like to mix um, more traditional brass band music with transcriptions of 19th century music with uh, more and more swing music, especially jazz arrangements, mm -hmm. uh, and try to provide the broadest possibility for the listeners so everyone has something that they like. And we also, as much as we can, like to feature, feature individual members as soloists. Mm -hmm. Now, Glenn, as, as a musician in the band, what, what does the typical... Uh, week look like for a musician in terms of preparation outside of the rehearsal time is 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 there a is there a routine or is everybody different uh, well i'm sure everyone's different um, and, and in large part that's um, a matter of uh, time available to them um, a number of the band participants are retirees and have, have much more uh, time on their hands i guess but uh, personally my daily routine starts at 6 a.m uh, I begin uh, practicing my instruments, uh, cornet, trumpet, what, you know, and others, um, and will continue throughout the day and um, then culminate in a group rehearsal of an ensemble in the evening. So it's, uh, you know, since I've retired, I've become a professional uh, musician. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's quite a time commitment and... Uh, especially the literature that we prepare for the North American Championships requires preparation on an individual level before we can even begin to bring it together as an ensemble. So it's a, it's a significant uh, commitment. Mm -hmm. Now, Russell, what is your expectations of, of the musicians coming to a rehearsal? Uh, and, and what role do you play? Is, is it is it the expectation that they come knowing the music and then it's your role to bring it all together into that ensemble sound? That's the expectation. From week to week that may vary, okay. <laughs> depending on individual <laughs> schedules. But, you know, the ideal is that you don't, you don't learn the piece in rehearsal, but you learn how to perform the piece. Okay. Do, you, do you ever, I'm, I'm just curious, I'm thinking back to my days in, in bands. Uh, do you ever have like a sectional rehearsal right. uh, so it's, it's just working with you know the, the coronets and sure okay sure that's always a good either just one group or uh, sort of related groups so it might be uh, cornets and flugelhorn and horns or horns and low brass okay. now given the range of music that you perform from the operatic to the the, the pieces that are written specifically for for the brass band what kind of considerations go into 
putting that together and sort of shaping those pieces? Because I would imagine the approach is a little different, isn't it? Not necessarily. No? I mean, okay. you know, the idea of putting a piece together is, is pretty consistent from one to another. Um, the, the challenge is uh, working with people to get the right stylistic mm -hmm. elements into the piece. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you, you mentioned you, you like to feature, one of you mentioned you like to feature individual musicians. Do, do a lot of pieces uh, allow for that? Yeah, there are not a lot of pieces that are written specifically as solo pieces with band accompaniment. Okay. That's great. Uh, now, in this, uh, you mentioned about the variety of venues. Uh, what are some of the upcoming concerts you have coming up this spring, or some of the programs? Well, the spring will focus primarily on our getting ready for the competition. Right. And that is again when? The competition is March 31st and April through April 1st. Okay. It will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana this year. Uh, we will, as part of that, participate in the Mid-Atlantic Brass Band Festival, which is held over at Rowan University, and that will be sort of our first uh, public shot, if you will, at playing the contest piece and so forth. So that's, that's in February? 21st. 21st, yeah. So the, and that, those uh, are open. There'll be five or six brass bands there, and uh, that's open to the public. They can come and, and listen to that. Uh, we will, of course, then, as soon as we get back from the competition, we have to get ready for our anniversary concert. And in the middle of all that, we have to get ready for our summer concerts. So we're now starting to to book the summer concerts at, at parks and so forth. So it, it, spring is a busy time, not so much from a performing standpoint, but uh, in terms of a preparation standpoint. Well, in the 30 seconds we have left, how can people find out more information about the Chesapeake Brass Band? People can uh, access information regarding the band on our website, which is chesapeakebrassband.org. Great. Well, it's it's been really great to hear uh, from you today, and I've, I've loved the concerts I've been to. Invite our listeners to follow up with the Chesapeake Brass Band and, and attend uh, their programs. Really wonderful time. Thanks so much, Russell, Rich, Thank and you. Glenn, for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you.